0: Hi you
1: guys welcome to uh, the off season and a uh, very good morning to everybody across regional queensland listening to us on the resonate broadcast network you can catch us on 4vl 4zr 4hi 4sb 4lm mount isa 4gc 4lg and of course hot country scott parkinson is on the line he's at uh, athletics sign on up there at the long athletics club mate sounds like a decent crowd up there signing on today
2: Oh, mate, it's just pandemonium here, and I just set the alarm a bit earlier. Now we're on an earlier time slot, but it's great to be here and great to be with everyone.
1: Yeah, the off-season, uh, I was going to say thanks to the Australian Mungbean Association, <laughs> but they don't pay for that slot <laughs> anymore. Nick Backstrom,
3: uh, good morning. Good morning, good to be here, full of bacon and eggs and round to go. I'll tell you what,
1: uh, boys, I travelled across to the grass track in the Outback Bar Calden yesterday to call the first meeting of the Central West season, and evident that we've had some great rain across yeah. the West just south of Bar Calden, it's been absolutely decimated by locusts. Now, oh. you know, if it's not one thing, yeah. it's bloody another, and uh, tragic for, for some of these uh, property owners who have just been sweating on this rain, and all of a sudden, bang! Here's the locusts. Good night, yeah. nurse Scott. Um, it's, it's it is, isn't it? Every ter- every turn, something different.
2: Well, I can tell you what I'd love it if the locust would eat some of these flies down here at Athletics. I have swine more flies than I have breakfast cereal. So if it's locusts, I'd prefer them. You can see a locust. They don't go inside your mouth. So I know it's not great, but um, I guess it's just what happens with rain, my friend.
1: It certainly is now, boys. Uh, the disastrous summer of cricket has finally come to a shocking <laughs> end thanks to the coronavirus. the uh, as they say, the New
3: Zealanders, they've taken their bat, they've taken their ball, and they're going home. Yeah, well, travel restrictions are bringing the end to. Yeah, frankly, it's been a forgettable summer of cricket, mainly because uh, most of the time the Australian team wasn't here. And uh, it's a fitting end because it's been a bit of a shambles of a season. They've cancelled the next two one day internationals. And there is a. I'm not sure what's happened at this stage. I haven't caught up the news this morning. There is a shadow cast of the future of the Super Rugby as well because of travel restrictions around New Zealand, which are quite strict. Big show coming up today. Jason Caddy uh, joins us. Scott, he
2: does. I and mean, Jason, he's had a great individual season for the Brisbane Bullets in the NBL, and kind of gives us a bit of a talk about how his season went, and um, yeah, just kind of talks about the fears that athletes have, potentially Olympian at Tokyo with the Australian Boomers. So interesting to hear his thoughts.
1: Adam Sachs from Shooting Australia talks up our positive. Uh, big chances in this year's Olympics.
3: Yeah, we are a strong team in uh, shooting traditionally throughout uh, the Olympics and uh, this year should be no exception. It's a very popular sport out here in the West. Not so big in the uh, inner city, so uh, interesting chat to him as well. Unfortunately, youngster Reece Lansky from
1: Brisbane won't be at the Olympics this year, Scott. But uh, he has a great story. Two-time national champion and modern pentathlete. Only 17.
2: And I didn't know too much about pentathletes or pentathlons, but I'm a huge fan I've of this bloke. He was just uh, really interesting to listen to it. And I think he's going to be... Oh, you know what? I'm to say right now. He's going to win of the future Olympics.
1: Big L- call. Listeners, sit back and enjoy the next hour here on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the off-season. You're with the summer edition for this glorious Sunday morning across Western Queensland. You can catch us each and every Sunday from 9 a.m., on the Resonate Network, Scott, time to talk basketball.
4: Yeah, and anytime we get a guest back for twice, we call them a friend of the show. We're joined by a friend of the show now. It's Brisbane Bullets player Jason kadi Jason, how are you, mate?
5: Good guys. Friend, I'll take
1: that. <laughs> Third
4: call, you're a life member. <laughs> <laughs> can wait.
1: And you get a jacket too, which is... <laughs> oh, Jason, uh, look, um, the basketball world sort of went into turmoil earlier in the week with the postponement of the NBA season. Uh, tell us a bit about your thoughts uh, in relation to this. Um, obviously, the coronavirus is uh, stopping things left, right and centre. Yeah,
5: it's, it's one of those things, right, I guess, We've kind of been a little bit removed from it down here, and I've been thinking like you hear all these reports of it, you see all this stuff, but I'm just like I haven't heard of anyone I know actually getting it. And then you play a sport, and all of a sudden, the biggest league in the world says no, we're shutting it down, and one of their players is of so Puts in the real life how serious this is, and when the organisation as big as the NBA is shut down, it's obviously for a very good reason. And I guess it just goes back to the point of how careful you've got to be and. and do whatever you can to i guess be healthy and, and take care of yourself and doing a little thing like washing your hands and stuff they talk about whether that helps you not get it i don't know but yep. it's obviously a very serious thing around the world that's going on right now
1: and the scary part of it is jason we're only in the early days uh so to speak and there's no end in sight
5: yeah i think that's the thing it's the unknown right uh, oh. i don't know it's it's just the fact that nobody knows exactly how to treat it, what's happening, what goes on. Nobody actually knows other than the fact that they say it's like a flu. And so I think that's probably the, the biggest thing of it all. You, just, you don't know anything about it, and it leaves a lot of uncertainty around, especially when it comes to professional leagues and things like that.
1: It's true, isn't it? It's just, they say it's just like the flu. It's like every meat's like chicken. Well, yeah. <laughs> good
3: analogy, Watson. <laughs> yeah, well said, Watson. Great research. You should be working for Australia Health with that sort of <laughs> insight. Punchy.
4: Um, hey, Jason, I want to talk about the bullet season. And I guess um, pretty high hopes. You had a pretty good roster at the start. I remember talking to you and, and your expectations were pretty high. Obviously, you didn't qualify for the finals. But talk us through that final round where you had to win by, I think it was 31 points and you did that. To only find out on the Sunday that you're actually knocked out how how did that weekend transpire for you?
5: It it was pretty wild. I mean, uh, I sat probably now a bit removed from the season. We had our exit meetings about a week ago, and it was one of those weird things where you sit there and you're like, I I feel we didn't make the playoffs, but I feel like we're very close to winning a title. And I don't think there's very situations you can sit in and and feel that way, and I think not be far off the mark, not delusional, and um. (laughs) That last round, I just remember we let ourselves down the week before, we were a little bit disappointed, we didn't know how it was going to play out. Melbourne won, I think, on the Friday night, and so did New Zealand. And then Saturday, about lunchtime, I get a call from Andre Lamar, our coach, and he says, Jace, we need to win by 34, I think it was tonight. Mm-hmm. He's like, we've got a sold-out crowd, we could go for it and just play all out in the line, shoot early shots, just... Just get after it, and we could win by 30, we could lose by 30. <laughs> and I remember just saying, well, you know what? I said, they might be off the corner if we by 30, but they'll be cheering if we win by 30. <laughs> so just get after it and have a crack.
3: Oh, mate, if you get into yeah. end of season, that's a great way to end it. Um, now, speaking of the end of season, one of the most notorious things are the mad Mondays for rugby league players. How does that sort of thing go down for uh, basketball players? Yeah, we have
5: a good time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The thing that hurts our Mad Monday at the moment, or if you don't make the playoffs, especially, we have the fever window. Yeah. So for us, like there was uh, what four of us in the Australian team. There was two or three in the New Zealand team. So all our groups away for that week, and then by the time you get to the following week, sometimes big people are going overseas and Europe. So this year was a little bit tamer because all our imports and stuff were gone, but we still do the same thing. We just Um, Stay
4: out of sight and out of mind with it. Great idea for all those NRL clubs that listen. Um, Now, you mentioned exit reviews. Now, I'm pretty new to the radio, and my exit review with these two fellas is coming up in a couple of weeks. How does that, um, what's an exit review look like um, at the end of the season? Is it going over your own individual performance and then is it setting yourself goals for next year as well?
5: Well, ideally, hopefully, like yours, it goes really well. um, I hope so. uh, uh, Yeah, it's all that, it's a review of the season. Thoughts on moving forward, I guess, for people that are contracted. uh, Thoughts of if you're not contracted, what it might look like and if you sit in the plans for the following year. It kind of goes on a whole host of different conversations, I guess. I'm in a spot now um, with the club and kind of being one of the leaders of the conversation is a little bit about me and more about where we go from here and what my thoughts were on how things work on, off court and, and all that kind of stuff, so... Normally, a lot of them do go for a good 45 to an hour. Mine actually went for about two hours this year, so oh, yeah. it was in there yeah. quite a while. But um, it really just it encompasses everything from on-court, off-court, yourself, teammates, staff, like the whole thing. So it is quite a um, structured and, and thorough thing, but it, I think it's pretty beneficial, especially for players when they leave that year knowing what coaches thought of and what they need to work on, what what worked well and, and things like that. It's, it's a good little reflection on what happened.
3: Yeah, if I can come up with 10 minutes of stuff for Parker, I'll be doing very well, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> 10, <laughs> ten minutes of negatives. <laughs> Jason, 2019-2020 uh, was a pretty good
1: season for you personally, uh, winning the coveted six-man award. Um, you have to be happy and um, obviously looking forward to, to uh, next year's season.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't... Um, people do, but I don't really play for the whole personal award thing. I play because I love being a teammate and getting to play with people and play sport. It, it's something I love to do, but uh, a lot of people don't know that one of season we had the chance to get Sobs, and I was pretty close with him, and I, I helped recruit as hard as I could and, and was a big part in getting him here, and I knew that would come with probably the fact that I would come off the bench. And so I guess when all that's gone on in the background and not, my, not many people know about it and then to do whatever the team needed this year and be rewarded for it like that it was a little bit of a pat on the back I guess and mm-hmm. something that I took a bit of pride in but um, I'd much rather be playing right now in the grand final I'll tell you that much mm-hmm. so as much as I enjoyed this year personally and it came with that little reward I'm very eager for next season and Hopefully what we can build on with a, a lot of us returning.
1: Jason Kadee, thanks very much for your time. Friend of the show, Jason Cadee, uh, for your time this morning. <laughs> contribution. coming up? Yeah. Contribution <laughs> off-season. We'll, we'll catch you again uh, through the coming months.
5: Can't wait. Thanks,
1: guys. It's the off-season heard right across regional Queensland. Back with the off-season heard right across regional Queensland on the resonate network network you can catch us on 4VL4SB4ZR4HI4LM4GC4LG and hot country lads and the the, to- the clock is ticking and we are closing in on the 2020
4: Tokyo Olympics we are what exciting times coming up I mean it's a bit um a bit nerve-wracking the Olympics coming up australia <laughs> always tries to get their best potential year and uh, I think we're going to talk to someone who's got a sport that Australia generally do pretty well at Watsy.
1: And we've been uh, highlighting a lot of the sports, Nick, over the last couple of weeks. And I know this one's one of your favourites.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, we're trying to look at the sports that don't get that much coverage, uh, generally speaking. The coverage does pick up, of course, around the Olympics. And as you, as a, who are you, uh, Park? I just said, <laughs> um, it is a sport we do pretty well. And it's a pretty popular sport out here in the West. Too. I'll wear a
4: name tag next week, Nick. Could you? <laughs> <laughs>
3: On the line, we've got the High Performance Director from Shooting
1: Australia, Adam Sachs. How are you, mate?
6: I'm really well, thanks, guys.
1: Thanks for your time this morning. Now, uh, what are our prospects uh, looking like uh, looking forward to this year's Olympics?
6: We're really excited, actually, about our prospects for Tokyo. Um, We've had some some really terrific results over the last couple of years. Um, 2019, in particular, was a a big year for us. We we qualified lots of spots um, to the Games in Tokyo. Um, and uh, and picked up a swag of medals at international events, um, including the, the shotgun world championships in Italy at the middle of last year. So um, we're actually pretty uh, pretty optimistic about our chances of, of uh, you know getting athletes on the podium uh, in Tokyo in July. And, and uh, we're working pretty hard to make sure that we um, we don't leave any stones uh, unturned between now and then.
4: Adam, it's Parker here, mate. And um, I just wanted to ask first of all, what are participation numbers for shooting in Australia? Is it a pretty popular sport? Um, and the participants are pretty high in numbers?
6: Yeah, look, it is. Um, we I mean, we measure it in different ways. So I think across the, the member organisations that are part of Shooting Australia, we have a, a registered membership base of about sort of forty three to 45,000 annually. Um, but we know that there are a whole lot more people who participate in shooting activities, um, not just the, the target sport activities that, you know, sort of we uh, are most closely connected with. So... Um, It's not something that, uh, um, you know, people uh, naturally find their way into unless they, you know, live in country areas, uh, you know, and have grown up on properties or um, they have family members who shoot. Um, But but it is quite a a large number of people who, you know, enjoy owning and, and operating their firearms for, you know, for sport and recreation purposes.
3: Adam, this is Nick. What makes a good shooter? What are the skills a shooter will work on to improve?
6: Well, I think like any sport, there's a technical component to it. It's a it's a highly technical sport, um, and you know the, the technical requirements differ from one discipline to another. And um, we have three disciplines uh, in Olympic shooting: pistol, rifle, and and shotgun. Um, but across all of those disciplines, I think um, the ability of our athletes to um, Uh, execute under pressure to really sort of hold their nerve and and there's a there's a key sort of psychological component to you know being able to just stay really calm and really focused um, you know on on the job that you've got to do which is right basically to hit the target
1: Mm. looking at the sport as a whole uh adam and we see this with a lot of olympic sports is there much funding that goes into the australian team towards the olympics and athletes in general
6: it's all relative, so uh, you know. As a as a reasonably small sport, we don't get anywhere near the funding that a, a cycling or a rowing or a, or a swimming might get. Um, but we do okay, um, and you know, our our, our funding prospects uh, moving forward are actually looking pretty good. Um, uh, even better if we can actually you know, bring home the medals that we're expecting in, in Tokyo.
4: Um, Adam Moya, my uncle, Uncle Stuart. I'll give him a bit of a shout out, give him a plug. Um, <laughs> listens religiously to the show, so he'll be very happy with this. He got into shooting only just recently, so he's probably in his um, early sixties at the moment. So he's found the sport uh, pretty late in life. Demographically, do you get are your members often older age? Are they younger grades? You know, where do they come from, and what walks of life? It's actually
6: one of the really nice things about this sport is um, it's suitable for anyone, really. It doesn't have the same sort of physical or physiological demands that a lot of other sports have. Uh, and so, you know, you don't have to be a, a physical specimen to, um, you know, to participate in the sport um, or even to excel in the sport. Well, but three the of
4: thing- us might have a chance, it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and,
6: and me too, just quietly. Um, but, I, but I think one of the really nice things is that, you know, we work with athletes whose Olympic careers could span, you know, four, five, six Olympic Games. So that's, you know, that's 25 to 30 mm. years compared to, you know, other sports where, uh, you know, where the, the window of opportunity is, is much narrower. Um, and so, you know, it really does lend itself to, you know, people um, participating in the sport for life. Um, and they can, you know, come and go from from the higher levels of the sport, um, you know, in and around other, you know, commitments that, um, you know, that, that life um uh, offers along the way.
1: Looking forward to Tokyo uh, 2020. Who are a couple of the big guns to look out for,
3: so to speak?
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, we've we've got uh, we've got a number of big personalities on the team. Uh, a number of athletes who have been to um, you know one or or multiple games. Uh, big Dan Repicoli in 10 um, meter air pistol is uh, sort of still to win his spot on the team. But uh, if he goes, I think it's games number five for him. Um, Dane Sampson in, in Rifle, uh, this will be his third games uh, if he, he makes the team to Tokyo, uh, and he's an athlete who uh, who actually won a quota on the open market last year, came oh. fourth at a World Cup in mm. Brazil. Uh, he's the first ever athlete, Australian athlete, to make a final in the, the uh, 50 metre Rifle 3 position event. Um, but our flagship event is really shotgun, and that's where we've you know traditionally done very well, and, and next year... Uh, Sorry, I was getting ahead of myself (laughs) this year. um, We've got got some incredibly um, strong uh, talent in men's and women's trap. Uh, In men's trap, James Willer is uh, current world number four. He's been as high as um, world number one for periods during the 2019 season. He'll be looking to uh, um, stand on the podium uh, as an individual athlete, but also potentially as a member of a, a mixed trap team. It's the first time that mixed teams' events have been on the shooting program at the Olympic Games. Uh, And then in women's trap, we've actually got only two spots uh, on the team to to Tokyo. We've got three athletes who are all in the top 10 in the world fighting Mm -hmm. for those two spots at the moment. So, you know, if uh, whoever makes that team is a good chance of both an individual and a a team medal.
1: Adam Sachs, High Performance Director from Shooting Australia. Thanks very much for your time and contribution to the off-season and we wish uh, all the best for Tokyo 2020.
6: Thank you very much, guys.
1: It's the off-season heard right across regional Queensland. Back with uh, the off-season for this delightful Sunday morning. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Nick, and we uh, keep on keeping on with our look at uh, Olympic sports? This one is one of the most intriguing sports for mine. I know you have a soft spot for it.
3: I do. It's an interesting sport. The modern pentathlon. people often wonder uh, what it all involves and uh, it all goes back it was military training, five skills necessary to being a messenger in the army. Now...
1: Uh, Our athlete on the phone unfortunately uh, missed out on Olympic selection uh, for 2020, but uh, has won the national title for the past two years and he competed in the Australasian Championships. He's only 17, so he's got plenty of years (laughs) up his sleeve. Uh, Reese Lansky joins us. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Now, first of all, tell us how you got into modern pentathlon. I mean, you're still pretty young.
0: Um, Well, it started off with um, I actually broke my leg off of a horse and. I had to take a whole year off and then for rehab I um, did some swimming and running and it, that kind of pushed me into the pathway of petraflons. T- and then um, I picked up fencing just about two years ago and um, went into the sport of modern pentathlon. So pretty much happened very quickly after I broke my leg and started training for swimming and running.
3: Well, there you go. I thought, surely you don't have five things going. I thought, how can I bring these together? But apparently you did. Yeah. Uh, or did you, <laughs> did, you, did you take up fencing just for the heck of it? Or was that, uh, were you already thinking about the pentathlon then?
0: Um, it was mainly just because I was trying to do pentathlon and that right. was one of the mm. um, things I had to do. So I went to my local fencing club and <laughs> tried it out for the first time and, yeah, it just kind of flowed on from there.
4: So, Reese, as a pentathlon novice, um, I'll put my hand up. I'm not as, en- <laughs> as enthusiastic as Nicky is. Nick loves it. I love pentathlons with the shirt he wore in the studio today. <laughs> Mate, talk us through the event itself. So how does it kick off? And then, you know, how long does it run for? And, and what's involved in the actual event?
0: Yeah, so it usually goes over a whole day and um, starts off with the swimming, which is 200-metre freestyle. And um, then you move on to the fencing and you do... One hit against every competitor in the fencing pool, Ooh. and then you move on to the horse riding, which then is a 15-jump a course at a metre 20, yep. and then you finally do the laser run at the end of the day, so it's a pretty hectic day, but um, <laughs> you got a few good breaks in there to just kind of break it up and rest, so...
1: Yeah. One one thing that intrigues me uh, the most out of this is is the show jumping, where you only uh, meet your horse, so to speak, 20 minutes or so before you get to ride it.
0: Yeah, so that's usually a bit of a challenge for most people, but I kind of grew up riding and doing some show jumping and camp drafting, so that's pretty much my background of sport. Yep. So I pretty much um, picked up that, that section pretty easy, it was just the height change that I had to adjust to, but... Yeah.
1: So obviously you're an elite athlete, winning two national titles. Break down your week of training for pentathlon, and, and um, how do you, you know, um, slot everything into your week?
0: Um, so basically, I have QAS who sort out my training schedule, and they they start off with on Mondays. I go to training at swimming at five thirty in the morning. And then I go straight from there to the gym at 9am, go to running at 10am and then I have a break in the middle of the day. I usually work between there and then go to fencing in the afternoon. And then Tuesdays is a pretty rest day after that big day on Monday and we move on to fencing in the afternoon there. And then Wednesday we start off with a swim and then we go to the gym again. And then we've got a horse riding lesson in between there where I, I ride multiple horses to like kind of adjust like we do in the Pentathlon. Yep. And then we move to fencing again after that. Um, and Thursdays I have my two main sessions of the week, which are swimming in the morning and running in the afternoon where we have our, our big, long kind of sessions. Yep. And then Friday's usually my, my day off where I usually work. And then Saturday morning, get I'm up, tired in the morning, thinking go about to
1: a this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have to. I've not at all. Get to bit tiring. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: um, mate. So some of the, you know, breaking down the pentathlon to the five events. Do you compete competitively in, say, fencing? You know, on your spare time.
0: Yeah. So basically, um, the way I do it is in Australia, you don't really have many pentathlon events, mm. so. Um, Usually I'll go to a fencing event, say if there's just a national fencing event, I'll go to that, I'll get practice and I'll make sure that I don't really get my head around the fencing sort of thing. I yep. pretend it's a pentathlon. Mm. Yes. And then, um, yeah, just pretty much compete in every sport separately and then, uh, yeah, put it all together on the days where I have to be in a pentathlon.
4: So, Reese, obviously you've got five events there. I'm going to ask you, this is a 2 prong question. Firstly, what's your favourite? And then secondly, if you could take it down to a quartet of events, <laughs> which one would you scrap off?
1: Oh, <laughs> so your favourite um, and the one you yeah. dislike. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting at.
0: Basically, my favourite's always going to be horse riding, I yeah. think, just yep. because it's a sport I've loved my whole life. Yeah. I had to take one out. It'd probably be the shooting because <laughs> that's
4: the one that lets me down, mate. Um, I want to know about this national title now. Obviously, you've got a great career in front of you, and, and we could we could go on about your success. But I want to know about the the celebration afterwards. So, <laughs> um, you win the national title. What what was involved after in the celebration? He's only that? seventeen. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get yourself in trouble because I'm sure you'll have family listening. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: pretty much just. After the event, I went to Hogsback down at... Oh, a nice. Point and, ...and had a big steak. 'cause not <laughs> in a while. Outstanding. Yeah, I had a, had a big steak, and that, that's pretty much all my celebrations and had a good sleep for once and collected on Mondays.
1: Rhys <laughs> <laughs> Lansky, thanks very much for your time and contribution to the off-season and the fascinating awesome. look on uh, the modern pentathlon.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys.
1: It's the off-season heard across regional Queensland. Approaching uh, 10am and that's the first edition of the Off-Season Dusted and Done, or Done and Dusted even, and uh, you can catch us each and every week across the Resonate Broadcast Network on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country, and if you missed it, don't worry, it'll go up on our Facebook page, the uh, Off-Season, and uh, all of our episodes will be up there big thanks to jason Kadi, adam Sachs from shooting australia and reese lansky the young modern pentathlete now uh lads sport society let's just face it everything in general has taken a hit in a big week and it's all surrounded uh thanks largely to the coronavirus uh, a bit of pre-empting uh, a lot of people are being positive positive positively tested, but we're looking at things like um, sporting, playing to no crowds, uh, fights are being cancelled, Royal Easter show cancelled, concerts, you name it. It's a serious matter.
3: What's your take on it, boys? Yeah, it's an interesting one because they say the the disease itself is quite mild, but I've never seen measures like this taken on such huge scales. On the other hand, people are going, they need to do something, why aren't you doing anything now? We're doing something. And people are going, why are you doing that? So it's all... Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The trouble is we... We are. We don't have all the information, nor do I think we're ever going to get it.
1: Scott, twenty billion dollar cash injection from the federal government uh, in measures around um, economic stimulus, uh, also measures around health, but probably the biggest one. I mean, we're driven by sport, our society, aren't we? And the thought of uh, missing out on a season of NRL or a season of AFL. But what are the players thinking? And that leads us into today's uh, Parko's probe.
4: Yeah, I mean, you just. I mean, we're going out Sunday morning, and. You know, Even as we talk now, there could be changes as we're on air because this is a constantly updated situation on what's being done and and what's happening. So if we're late with the news, we do apologize. But I guess the probe this week is the big thing is around sporting events because we are a sports show, so let's focus on sport. And the thought about sporting events being played to no crowds. Yes. Is it an issue? Um, If you guys were professional athletes, would it bother you because the NRL players are coming out and say we're not going to play in front of no spectators. Well, I'm sorry, NRL players. I don't feel you have a choice. Like you, you said sport and, you know, what's going on in the world? A lot of people go to sport to escape. Mm. To kind of escape these serious things that are going on in their life. You know, whether it be a small event and the coronavirus is obviously a big one. But sport is a release for a lot of people. So, boys, I'm going to throw it out to you. The probe question is, is it okay for sporting events to go on without fans attending them? Or should they be cancelled?
1: Oh, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? And I think if the if the relative boards say yes, we're playing. I think the players have no choice but to play, and um, if they don't want to play, they don't get paid. Mm. Um, I I I feel though the longevity of playing to nobody is very limited.
3: Oh, for sure. I think that's a I think it's a short term solution, and you know I think I can understand. I sympathise with players. It would feel pretty ordinary to run out there. If um, you've been playing at that level and there's no one there, mm. sure, we do that when we play the long range cricket, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard
4: the Gold Coast Titans and Warriors have no problem. <laughs> but
3: I think in this instant, you go, guys, just you know, it's not all about you, you're yeah. not the most important issue here. It is a public health question, and yeah, if you, that's a sacrifice you've got to make, it's not that huge a sacrifice, frankly. And, and I,
1: it, I don't want to finish the show <laughs> this way, in particular the doom and the gloom, but. It's almost if you could look at a timeline of the coronavirus in the past eight weeks, and the the murmurs, and led led into the jokes of the, the mm. toilet paper yep. and the hand sanitizer, and now it seems real. And you know we're a bit late here in the West, aren't we? You know, like things are a bit delayed. But the thought of. You know, our tourist season, we we thrive on tourism. It's our industry out here. And, um, you know, if school goes down and the parents have to shut their shops, you know, the the flow-on effect, I mean, it's real now, Scott. Well,
4: what, what scares me is, you know, our government's approach. And I understand you don't want to create panic. So saying business as usual has been the message up until today. And again, that message might have changed. But business as usual. But there's a difference between not creating panic but then being stupid. Mm. So I've got no problem. And in, in you're saying there's an issue with people not going, I don't think there is an issue. If we shut down sporting events and players play to no one, it's a small thing in the mm. big scheme of things. If we're going to protect the spread of this awful disease by doing that, I don't think it's an issue at all. But it's just, what is the right approach? Because I, I just think we need to actually tackle this with a bit of sense. Mm. It is a scary world, Watson, you're exactly right, but maybe it's a short-term, you know, mm shut down for a long-term gain because everyone's health and safety has to be the number one priority.
1: And Nick, I'll swing to you now. I guess it's the fear of the unknown.
3: Of course. I mean, we do, that's the thing. we told this disease isn't that big a worry, that you know, the people who have died were vulnerable to any particular disease. Um, look, there are a few positive stories coming out. The rate of infections officially dropped in China. China was reporting these infections to the World Health Authorities before as an issue. Yeah. So the fact it's dropping now, maybe we can, so that we can take those figures at face value, uh, South Korea is reporting the same thing, and it's been these uh, isolation and quarantine seems to be doing the trick. So it's probably the right thing to do. And Israeli scientists have said they think they've got a vir- a uh, vaccine. But they've got to do some more testing, obviously, before they you know, try it on human beings.
1: Well, no doubt, boys, uh, by the time we're back in the chair next Sunday morning from 9am for the off-season, there'll be plenty more water under the bridge. Scott Parkinson, thanks for your time. Oh, always a pleasure. And always a pleasure, Nick Baxter. We might be
3: doing a three-way
1: phone interview. <laughs> <laughs> i tried one of those before. What's he signing out of the off-season? You can hear us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Have a great week.